Welcome to week number six here at Downtown Harbor Church. I'm so excited that you're here with us this morning. And also, just thanks so much for being a part of this with us as we grow, as we kind of start this thing. We were out with some friends the other night, and we were talking about just kind of starting this thing from the ground up and what that looks like and what that means. So I'm just so thankful that you are a part of this alongside of us. Um, and uh, we are in our final, uh, final series, or our final week of the series called Seat at the table. We have been taking a look for the past three weeks at this story of the prodigal son, and I'm going to talk about that in just a little bit. But before I continue, I have a question to ask you, and this is the question. Have you ever done anything stupid? And I mean like really stupid. Like if you, and I'm not talking like putting, you know, Dawn dish soap into the dishwasher, because like you would think that like like, because it, it's dish soap, you would think that that would be, like, serve the same purpose as one of those, like, little dishwashing pods, you know what I mean? But if you've ever done that, you know that that is absolutely not the case, and you will end up with a kitchen full of suds if you put Dawn dish soap into your dishwasher. I see people laughing who've probably done this before. Congratulations. Um, but subsequently, um, I'm talking about something that's, like, really stupid. Like, maybe you said something at work that you shouldn't have and now you no longer have a job. Or maybe you um, had too much wine one night and said a couple of things that you shouldn't and have to pay the price the next morning. I mean, have you ever done something really stupid? Subsequently, you're asking yourself the question, have you ever done something really stupid, dumb enough that you actually thought, hmm, I may not make it back from this one. I may not actually be able to recover from this because it's so bad. And maybe it wasn't a decision that you made. Maybe you are in a place where, or you've been in a place, or you will be in a place where you can't even control the circumstances. That they're just internal with you, and it's so kind of bad and dark and, and gray and ugly, and you're just like, I don't think that I'm really going to be able to come back from this one. It's, it's that bad. Called what we're going to call rock bottom. A place where you really have no longer control over your own actions, but you're in such a deep, dark place that you're there. Well, as we kind of wrap up this Seat at the Table series, we have been looking at the story of the prodigal son, and we've been looking at the three characters in the story, and week by week, we've kind of been unpacking this line by line, and then going, okay, what does this mean for us based on this character? Because in the story, there is a father, and there are two sons, an older brother and a younger son, and so, uh, or younger brother, and so the first week, we talked about the father, how he had this amazing grace, right, that this grace that he showed his son who messed it all up, like, that was a, a grace that God shows to us as well, amazing grace. And we also talked about last week the older brother who was jealous that his younger brother was receiving the treatment that he was, that his, the older brother was jealous of this scenario, of this situation. He wanted it for himself. How come he didn't get all these things? And this week, we're going to take a look at the younger brother, the one who went and messed it all up and ended up rock bottom. He ended up in a place that he didn't actually know that he was going to be able to come back from. So Jesus was telling this story uh, to a group of kind of religious leaders of the time, uh, the scholars, the Pharisees of the time, and Jesus said this, and it was at a time where he was illustrating a point further, and the point that he was making was that when someone says, hey, I'm going to uh, say I'm sorry for what I've done, or I'm going to quote-unquote repent, when someone says that, that, when someone does that, that that is a good thing that we should celebrate with them. So to illustrate the point further, that's the point that Jesus was making, Jesus told them this 
story. Now, if you've been with us the last couple of weeks, you're familiar with it, but we're going to look at it from a different perspective today. A man had two sons. The younger son told his father, I want my share of your estate now before you die. Can you imagine what's going on in this kid's heart to have to say that to his dad? Because I feel like this kid, to go to his dad, hey, er, dad, I want my share of your money now before you're dead, how insulting uh, that is, and the gall that this kid must have had, I can only imagine that this kid in this situation is broken. I can only imagine that something is going on in his heart and in his life that is messed up, that he is not thinking straight, he's not thinking clearly by asking his father this question. And the father, um, I can only imagine, was brokenhearted and has gone, how could this be? How could this happen? But he agreed to divide his wealth between his sons. So this young kid, this younger brother, got half of his money and he went out a few days later This young son packed all his belongings and moved to a distant land, and there he wasted all his money in wild living. I said this a couple of weeks ago. He went to Vegas and spent it on blackjack, bottle service, and hookers, okay? He wasted it all in absolute wild living. So what can we glean from this? If if we're, we're looking at our life and we're looking at this story and particularly this Passage Luke 15, 13, what can we learn? I just think it's, I just think it's really simple. Here's, here's the deal. You will have moments in your life that you do things that you regret. Now, let me back up a second. This is not an excuse to behave inappropriately or to do things that hurt others or do things that hurt yourself. But you will have moments in your life that you do things that you regret. Um, Maybe you mistreated someone. Maybe you cheated in an arena. And then there are repercussions for your actions because you've done that. And there will be moments in your life that you do things that you regret. And the son in this story would come to regret the decision that he actually put forth when he took his father's money and spent it all in wild living. And I know that moments in your life right now might be coming to your mind and going, yeah, I remember back to that one. I remember back to last weekend. I remember when I did something that I regret. It's all about understanding and recognizing that this is true about all of us, that all of us have moments in life that we will do things that we regret. The question is, okay, this is an understanding. We get it. But what does this mean for us from here? What do we do from here? What do we do with the feelings and the emotions uh, related to regret? And how does that look for us? Well, the story goes on. About the time his money ran out, a great famine swept over the land, and he began to starve. He persuaded a local farmer to hire him, and the man sent him into his fields to feed the pigs. The young man became so hungry that even the pods, basically pig slop, he was having to eat. The pig slop, was, he was feeding the pigs, looked good to him, but no one gave him anything. Do you know what this is? This is rock bottom. This is the end of the road for this kid. He has gone away and lost it all, and now he's at rock 
bottom. And let me tell you something about rock bottom when you're there. And I'm going to talk about it for a long time today. So kind of get ready because this is an an emotion packed filled next 20 minutes of stuff. And it's deep and it's real. So just kind of get your shoes on and get ready. Because when he is at rock bottom, his rock bottom looks different than our rock bottom. His rock bottom looks different than your rock bottom. And when you hit rock bottom, it is way easier to give up than it is to fight for your future. Think about it in your own life. When you come to the end of your rope and you're like, I'm in a situation that I don't think I can get out of. I'm in a situation that I don't understand how to claw my way back up. And I may not, I may not make it through this one. Rock bottom. It's so much easier to give up in a scenario than it is to keep fighting for your future. But I want to tell you something today. I want to encourage you, and I want you to hopefully you understand what this means as we kind of go through it. I think that you need to understand that you don't need to give up. Don't give up. Because it's easy for us to kind of throw the towel in. It's easy to kind of walk away, and maybe giving up for you if you get into this scenario isn't just, you know, walking away from your family or walking away emotionally from a situation. Maybe in your scenario, giving up actually means physically getting out of it. Take my life, I am done. And here's the point. You are worth something. You mean something. Don't give up. But when you're here, that's difficult to comprehend, isn't it? Because when you're at rock bottom, there is something that you have to do. When you're at rock bottom, we want to make a decision to kind of get back on the right path. And that decision is this word that we're going to talk about, fight. There's a time when you have to go, and it's very one small little decision, when you start walking home, just as this kid is about to do, when you're at rock bottom, If you can just turn your mental uh, capacity in the direction to go, I know it's a small decision. I know that I may not have all the answers, but I'm going to choose to fight. Don't give up. Choose to fight. To turn the tide, there comes a moment where you have to fight for your future because you have one. All of us have a future. But when we're at rock bottom and things happen to us, we don't understand how to get out of it, it's hard for us to understand that to turn the tide, there comes a moment where you have to fight for your future. And that's just one small step in the right direction. That's not solving all the issues related to what you've done or what circumstance you're in. That it's just one moment where you go, I don't know what tomorrow will be like, but I'm going to make the decision to not give up and to fight. So fight. We go on in the story. When he finally came to his senses, now this is the prodigal son, this is the younger son. When he finally came to his senses, you know what this is? That's him choosing to fight. That's him choosing to make it right. That's him going, I don't know how to do this, but I'm going to fight for my future. When he finally came to his senses, he said to himself, at home even the hired servants have enough food to spare, and here I am dying of hunger. I will go home to my father and say, now this is the moment where it gets kind of interesting, because this is the moment where he not only has chosen to fight right here, but he is now saying, I'm going to go make this right. I'm going to go back to try to experience restoration and redemption. And he doesn't know how his father will react, but he's going to try to do it 
anyway. So he says, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Please take me on as a hired servant. He's admitting that he was wrong, and he's trying to go make it right. So here's the moment, right? The tense moment where this kid who's wronged his dad in such an exponential way, probably more than any of us have ever been wrong. Can you imagine the tension that he was feeling as he approached his father? So he returned home to his father. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. That was week one. That was when we talked about the amazing grace of this father and how he responded to his son and how we should live our lives like everyone has a seat at our table, just like the dad did. But sure enough, the son then said to his dad just what he said he was going to. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. Here's the point. It's a big one. I told you that when you wanted to take a right direction, you had to fight. But to come back from rock bottom, there has to be a moment where you admit you were wrong. There has to be a moment that you admit you were wrong. Now, hold up. All of our rock bottoms aren't based on decisions that we've made. There might be a circumstance that you're in that you didn't wrong someone, but it's just the circumstance that you're in. So to come back from rock bottom, there has to be a moment where you admit you were wrong or you have a problem or you can't deal with this on your own. It's taking it a step further. It's taking it a step further from saying, I'm just going to make a conscious decision to fight for my future like this prodigal son did. This is the next step kind of in your journey of getting away from rock bottom. This is your next step to go, I need to either apologize to someone and admit I was wrong, or I need to admit I have a problem, or I can't deal with this on my own, and I need help. If I'm going to get better, if I'm going to crawl my way out of rock bottom, I need help. I can't can't do this on my own. The story continues. But his father, this is the grace, and this is so cool. But his father said to the servants, quick, bring in the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we've been fattening. Remember, this calf was a really big deal. This was the feast that they'd been planning for forever as a family. This was the ribeye. This was the filet mignon of the house. This was a big deal. We must celebrate with a feast, for this son of mine was dead and is now returned to life. He was lost, but now he is found. So the party began. His dad took him in and showed him this amazing, unbelievable grace. But the truth is, is that some of us, when we come back from rock bottom, we almost expect people to show us grace because they're our family or they're close to us or we think like we deserve it in some way. Even if we've gone and done something that is wrong, as wrong as this kid did. So here's just the point. Is, this is just a small sub-point related to this. When someone shows you grace, don't forget to recognize it. When someone shows you grace, don't forget to recognize it. Don't forget to go back and say, you know what? You didn't have to do that. You didn't have to show me 
the grace that you did. You didn't have to extend your hand of forgiveness like you did, but you did, and I want to recognize it and say thank you because we don't know. We never hear what the prodigal sons, the younger sons' reaction to all of this is. We never get to hear another word come out of his mouth, but I can just imagine that he looked at his dad and said, Dad, I don't know why you're doing what you're doing, but thank you. Don't forget to recognize it when someone shows you grace. Last week, we talked about the older brother and how jealous and angry he was. He hasn't been mentioned in this story since the beginning of the story, but the older son was in the fields working. That's right. He was out caring for the property by himself. He was keeping the house afloat. He was the one picking up the pieces of how much of a mess this family had become. The older son was in the fields working when he returned home. He heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother is back, he was told, and your father has killed the fattened calf. We are celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother subsequently was angry, angry, and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, all these years I've slaved for you and you never once refused to do a single thing you told me to do. And all that time you never gave me one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours, don't miss that. Imagine if you're the younger brother at this point. You've come back, you're trying to redeem things, and maybe you're listening through a door with a screen on it. I know they had those in Bible times. But you're listening and you hear your older brother basically say, you don't even exist to him. You're dead to me. This son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes. You celebrate by killing the fattened calf. Basically, how dare you, dad? How could you do this? And if you're at rock bottom, and you come home, and you come back, you need to know something. That when you do, everyone isn't going to be happy when you return. Everyone is not going to be happy when you come back. People who understand like the Father, they will be happy. They will welcome you back in, and you're probably going to have to deal with some stuff. And there might be consequences for your actions, but everyone's not going to be happy when you come home. Even people in our lives who are Jesus followers, part of the Jesus movement, part of this love God by loving your neighbor as yourself movement, people, even people who are Jesus followers are humans. Everyone's not going to be happy when you return because they see you as the old person who falls back into your old ways and might even do this again. So why should we celebrate when someone comes back? Everybody is not going to be happy all the time when you return. But the father goes on. This is saying to this to the older brother now, look, dear son, you have always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate this happy day for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now he is found. Basically, he was at rock bottom. He was down and out. He was gone, but now he has come back to life. So what's the point? Why do we say this? Why do we talk about this? Because we want you to know, and I want you to know, that when you hit rock bottom, remember that you can always 
come home. I want to talk about this for the next few minutes. Rock bottom is different for every one of us. Rock bottom for you, more than likely, was not calling up your father and asking him for half of his wealthy estate. Him saying yes, and then you go and you blow it in wild living. Rock bottom for a lot of us might be an alcohol problem. It might be a drug problem. It might be that we made a really, really bad business deal and we're done and out and we've lost everything. It might be we cheated on our spouse and he or she took the three kids and you have no custody of them anymore and you never get to see them and you're at rock bottom. It might be that your family is so dysfunctional that you can't even be in the same room with them anymore. I told you that it was going to get personal as we closed this message because I'm going to tell you about my rock bottom. Some of you in the room who know me well might know this about me, but if you don't, you're going to get an extra special glimpse into my life, is that I, for a long time, have had a pretty severe anxiety problem. Um, if you know anything about anxiety, anxiety and depression and self-esteem are kind of wound up in this like big, kind of big vicious circle. Um, and my anxiety problem has kind of existed since I've been a kid, but in late 2007, it started to come out in a really bad way as a hypochondriac. Now, um, if you struggle with anxiety or depression, yeah, that may not be why you are uh, anxious, but it was the thing for me. See, I worked at a church in Michigan, and we got a prayer request for a woman who was having bad acid reflux problems. This was a Monday. Our staff meetings were Tuesday. And I'll never forget, the next staff meeting, the next day, they came in and they said, well, she went to the doctor yesterday. They did an endoscopy on her, which is they put a tube down your throat to see what's going on. And they found all kinds of cancer. And she lasted three days. She only lasted three days. She lived three more days. That kicked off a series of events where I became a very, very serious hypochondriac. So if you understand about hypochondria, you know that it is this idea that you are sick and you have diseases when you do not. And it starts to get really ugly because people confuse what being a hypochondriac is. They, and if you're in the medical field, like you kind of laugh about hypochondriacs sometimes because you probably see a lot of them in the emergency room like me. But a hypochondriac is not a germaphobe. I'm not scared of germs. I just for a long time thought that I had a bunch of diseases that I didn't have. WebMD was my best friend and it was a very bad place to go because all you did was Google headache and you had brain cancer, right? And it was just bad and, and, and it was real. And, and part of the other problem was is that those things that I were thinking actually started to manifest themselves into real symptoms. They started to come alive and I found out after more and more research that that happens to people who are hypochondriacs. And throughout the next five months or so, this anxiety of mine led me to rock bottom. I entered into what I would consider to be a very severe depression. It was as ugly a thing as anything that I had ever, ever been a part of. I started to go to doctors, and they would run tests on me. And I would go in, and I would tell them what, I, what was wrong, and they couldn't find anything. And I would go to emergency rooms, and I went there a couple of times, and I'll never forget the last time I went to an emergency room. The ER physician looked at me and he said, can I just tell you what I think's going on here? I said, yeah, please, somebody tell me. They said, you don't have anything wrong with you. 
and you need to go get some lunch. Because I was so depressed that I wasn't eating, and I lost a bunch of weight. And I actually spent days in bed. I couldn't even get up because it was so crippling to me. And that's not something that I'm proud to admit, but I just feel like it's real because somebody who might hear this might be in the same thing. And I'll never forget Caitlin, who's my wife. She's downstairs with preschoolers right now. She came and she sat by my bed as I was laying in bed and she just put her hand on mine and she just said, I just want you to know something. Because we were engaged to be married. She said, I don't know what you're going through, but I will tell you this. I'll never give up on you. My response to that was, um, thank you so much for telling me that, but I'm pretty sure that we're going to have to call off our wedding because you're not going to want to marry somebody who's dying and not going to be around very long. What a creep thing to say. But I was in such a dark place. I was in such a rock bottom scenario that I didn't have any way out. But when she said that to me, there was a conscious decision that I made and I didn't know what it was, but I said, I have to get better. I'm better than this. So I went to a counselor and I have to tell you, this woman helped save my life. And she said something to me that was so, so essential to my next step. She said, the people around you cannot fight for you. They will fight with you. But you are the only one who can fight for yourself. And you have to take the first step. That's in your mind saying, I will fight for my future. She was a Jesus follower. She understood about this movement of loving God by loving your neighbor as yourself. And she told me something after that. She goes, I don't know where you are spiritually per se. She said, but I also understand something that I want to say to you. Is that when you choose to fight and you choose to get back in the game, always know that there's a big God waiting with his arms wide open to take you into his home whenever you're ready. And that led a change of events. It set forth a change of events. And let me tell you what happened. I got better. I'm better. I'm not fixed. I'm not completely better. There's still moments in my you know, life where I'm going, oh gosh, my neck hurts. I'm gonna, you know, I don't even know what that means, but I'm, I'm doing better. And here's the deal. For me, that was rock bottom. And you, if you think about it, you've probably had a rock bottom too. You've probably had a moment where you've said, I don't know that I'm going to make it out of this one. Whether that's emotionally or physically, I don't know that I can get through this. It's that bad. When you hit rock bottom, remember, you can always come home. And let me talk about your physical home for a second. Because if you live like the father did, that means that the family that is in your life will have their arms wide open waiting for you to come home whenever you're ready. And if you believe that there's a God, just know that there is a, a, a God that is waiting with his arms wide open, ready for you to come home if you'll say yes. You choose to fight. But we created Downtown Harbor Church for moments like this. We created Downtown Harbor Church exactly for this moment because I want you to hear this. Don't miss this. This is the biggest thing that I'll say. When you hit rock bottom, remember you can always come here. Because we want you to know, on behalf of us, and what we're saying is only inspired by this story that we're reading in the scriptures, we want you to know 
that this more than likely at some point in your life is something that you'll experience. And when you do, we want you to know, no matter how bad it is, no matter how messed up you are, no matter if it's a situation that you don't ever think you'll be able to crawl out of, you always have a seat at this table. And if that's true, that changes everything. If that's true, everything is different. If that's true, this city will begin very slowly to understand what the true message of Jesus is all about. We want you to know, when you hit rock bottom, you can always come home, you can always come here, and you'll always have a seat at this table. Let's pray. God, I, um, it's moments like these where you show up, and you're showing up in the lives of people in the room because rock bottom is real. Rock bottom is real for a lot of us. And I'm thankful, so thankful, that you helped me get through a moment where I thought that everything might be lost. So God, I just pray that you would move in this place. I pray that you would fill this space with your grace and your truth so that we might have people in this room who would go, I'm, I'm at rock bottom, I need help. And I don't know what else to do, but I'm here. So God, I just pray that you would work, that you would work through us, that you would help us to understand this more, that you would help us to understand this better, that you would help us to change our cities and our community around us by helping this truth go forward, go before us. May we all live our lives like everyone has a seat at our table. In Jesus' name, amen.